Call me now thinking about that. 907-720-WGN. I'm Andrea Darlis with you until 10 o'clock. Patty Vasquez takes over at 10. And Nick DiGiulio will take you through the overnight hours. I am so excited to have in studio a Chicago-based cartoonist, Ken Krimstein. We are all invited to attend the exhibition opening of The Three Escapes of Hannah Arndt. It is Thursday, March 14th at the Spurtist Institute for Jewish Learning and Leadership. It's at 610 South Michigan Avenue. Uh, it, it, this is, I'm, I'm so beyond thrilled because I'm flipping through your book here. And tell us a little bit. First of all, tell us who Hannah Arndt is. Well, hello. Uh, Hannah, Thank you for being here. Yeah, Hannah Arendt uh, was a uh, German uh, philosopher, political thinker who mm-hmm. uh, left Germany, uh, had to escape. I'm not going to give away all the endings. Uh, no. Ended up... Um, coming up with some very, very big political theories that a lot of people may have heard of, but maybe didn't know that much about, things like the origins of totalitarianism, uh, famous phrase, the banality of evil, mm-hmm. and things like that, and had to flee uh, the Nazis and had to do a lot of this sort of stuff. Ended up, interestingly, in America uh, in the 40s and spent quite a bit of time in Chicago, which was w- another thing that interested me at, at the University of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, passed away in 1975 and, you know, had such a fascinating and interesting life and way of thinking um, that I now I know too much about her and I only knew a little bit about her at first. She was a political thinker and a, and a woman who lived an extraordinary life. How did you decide that you were going to document this and and draw and detail the story? You know, it it almost decided itself for me. I I opened the biography and I felt like this was my uh, my missing link of my uh, DNA. I mean, every single thing that happened in her life when I found out how when she was a, a little girl, um, what she, how she coped with things, and then when she went to uh, Germany as a teen and university and the people that she hung out with. I just every page that I turned as I learned about her became more and more two things questioning and inspired. And I just I had to put it into pictures. Han has been called one of the key political thinkers of the 20th century. Why is that? Well, she helped people look at a lot of the very terrible things that happened. Uh, she was a German Jew. Um, not a particularly observant one at first, didn't even know that she was Jewish until uh, she was about seven years old, and someone yelled some things at her, and she went home, and I have the scene in the book, and asks her mom, you know, what what does it mean to be a Jew? What right. is Jew? And, it's and, early on in the book. Yeah, and the, and, 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 the, and uh, the mom says, it's a religion, mm-hmm. you know, like Lutheran, and she says, well, we don't go to a Lutheran church. I kind of <sighs> made that part up, but she yeah. didn't know, and then she deals with she has an incredible mind. She reads a lot, and when and 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 she wants to understand everything. And she's a woman at a time when being a woman and an intellectual and a philosopher, you know, maybe still isn't that great. But in those times, it was really really tough. And she just had this tenacity, and she stared everything straight on and thought it out and thought it out. And her her life was always to try and figure out what is going on. So she made a lot of very important discoveries or analysis of how totalitarianism happens, how how important it is for there to be a free press, and how important it is for people to be equal with each other in the public space, and how important it is to have private space. And she she not only thought about it, but she lived it. And um, actually, 
one of the things that drove me to the book was a huge question because as I was reading the biographies, you know, you know, you get questions, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to put this into pictures. She renounces ph- philosophy. She's a brilliant philosopher, and at some point, uh, she's asked in an interview, um, "How do you feel uh, as a woman philosopher in the world of philosophers?" And she says, "Well, I I don't consider myself a philosopher." And I thought, why would someone who's kind of at the top of their game renounce it? Renounce it, you know? And that drove me deeper into it. And I think it's because she be- she believed a lot in action. We have to act in the world. Act, act, act. Don't just sit there and think. Don't contemplate. Mm-hmm. You are what you do, and you are what you show. Do you find it ironic, or I guess poetic maybe would be the way to phrase it, that this was her craft and this was what she was doing, then you're writing about it, and we're, we're dealing with a lot of the same themes in 2019 today. Um, ironic. As far as tolerance yeah, no, I know. and acceptance. Uh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's evergreen. I mean, it's part of what she called in one of her great books, The Human Condition. Um, we need to learn how to live with a lot of different people in the world, in a world where we're, we live kind of between the past and the future, and we don't really know what the future is going to hold. So we have to figure out how to hang together. And she had a lot of thoughts about that. You know, one of the things that was, yes, I mean, ironic, I mean, to a certain extent, her and her great friend, Walter Benjamin, who was a great inspiration for her, felt that we have to look at history um, not as progress, but as an ongoing uh, presentness. Mm-hmm. It is, it's true. History is made every day. It, it's made every second, and we have within our hands, I think, what she was saying, the possibility of the next minute, of the next hour, and how we work together. She, she was a very future-oriented... I was just going to say, she was very forward-thinking. Uh, forward-thinking in many ways. Yes. Yeah, she believed that um, life happens, you know, from birth. The, the act of birth, or what she called natality is the main force in in life that we can make new things and as a person who's a creative person and a writer and a an artist uh, you know my life is about making new things so and i'm a storyteller she believed in in storytelling you know my task was how do you put this into pictures and make it not five thousand pages and by the way i took i took this on as an artist and as a writer not as a philosopher but as opposed to you know i have a college degree and I tried to read very well but I tried to instead of starting with the ideas and going to her I started with her life and mm-hmm. figuring out what why did the thinking uh, r- result from that life it's 228 pages it, it's so it's so beautifully put together it it does appear to be a hardbound comic book but yet there's there's writing do you do the pictures first or do you write first and i'm sure you get asked that often um both at the same time okay okay <laughs> no i actually uh i'm thinking about the pictures trying to figure out what is going to illustrate it so i'm looking for incidents that can be drawn but i'm r- working on the writing i mean i uh, this in this effort i really spent almost a year and a half just writing it to try and figure out how to make it dramatic that mm-hmm. people may want to read it because it's a his, it's a history it's a biography but it has to have a dramatic pull to it you know yeah i do and i i love i hannah of course is the star it's hannah rent but 
I like the side the everybody you know from the man in the train to just the, you know the man with the piercing stare with the pipe uh do you do you model the the other characters after people in your own life or is it just people that you see or did they come to you um just in your mind you know i a lot of the people with the pipe you know they're that person I think who you're referring to might be her second husband. So I look at a lot of Heinrich Blucher. Uh-huh. Who, I think that's but what I, it is too. But I had to, you know, since I'm doing something that is in a, a comic or graphic form, uh-huh. there have to be little tricks so you know who the the person is. So he's oh, right. always kind of has a pipe. I okay. saw a lot of pictures with him. Uh, you will never, he does, yeah. You will sort of never see him without a pipe because he has to be And sometimes it's not even lit. <laughs> well, yeah. And and um, my dad used to smoke a pipe. I think that's why I, I think that's what kind of drew yeah, me. Yeah, and my and my dad did too. Yeah. So, but um, you'll notice with Hannah. So I have one color, green, and, and it's green, and and that was very interesting. And I did it intuitively, although there was some evidence that I read. You know, I'm I read and read and read when I'm doing this that she was called kind of the woman in green, and she favored green. So I had one color to use. So I thought, why not use green? And it was cool, and uh, subsequently, a lot of artists have said to me, why did you use green? Green is such a hard color to use. And I didn't really know it at the time, but um, it, the exhibition, um, they painted the walls all green, and, it, and, and green kind of works for her in a lot of ways. So then I thought, oh, well, she's all about, you know, natality and spring, which will hopefully be coming soon here, right. and green and birth. And then somebody said, yeah, that's right, in plants, but what's the color of... Uh, green in flesh it's kind of mortality so it kind of defines her middle place in the world so it was one of those things that i could have never like intended but Mm -hmm. it just sort of worked out and i think the fact that the exhibition designer at spurtis uh tracy uh went crazy with green you know she went green crazy there i can't wait to see it we're talking to uh, ken crimstein about the three escapes of hannah arendt and it's going to be the exhibition opening at the spurta center on michigan avenue on thursday we'll continue our conversation with ken after this on 720 wgn when it comes to the weather we all want to know what did skilling say watch for updated forecasts from chicago's most trusted meteorologist tom skilling weeknights on wgn tv 921 on 720 WGN. We're talking to Ken Crimstein, who wrote The Three Escapes of Hannah Arendt, and the uh, his work is going to be on a uh, exhibited. Um, I say exhibited because it's never been in this particular form before. I know people know who you are. You've been interviewed all over town. You're from Chicago. You're one of our very <laughs> own, but your work is going to be on display at the Spurtis Institute for Jewish Learning and Leadership at 610 South Michigan Avenue, and it's this Thursday, March 14th. The reception's at 530. The program begins at 630. You can get tickets. And find more information at Spertus, S-P-E-R-T-U-S dot E-D-U. And Ken, you're from Chicago. You yeah. left us briefly, but you're back now. Yes, sir. You I grew am. up in Deerfield? I grew, in Deer, grew up in Deerfield. I live in Evanston, and I teach uh, DePaul in a couple of locations. I love Chicago. Uh, it's a great environment for people that do what I do. Um, yeah. Chicago is actually a kind of a very important center of people that do what we call comics or graphic novels. I mean, from Chris Ware to Dan Klaus to um, uh, Emil Ferris. I mean, there's so many people doing so much tremendous work in town. I feel very lucky to be here um, and do that. Uh, I wanted to, you mentioned the show. Yeah, no, I've never yeah, had a show. it's never been like this before, well, like no, you're going to see it on Thursday. No, and, you know, I have had my work in some smaller shows. I'm, you know, working, uh, doing some cartoons for The New Yorker. I've had shows of New Yorker cartoons and stuff like that in New York. This is really very different. And when Spurtis, you know, 
we talked about it. It's like walking through the book, sort of. I mean, um, they've they've kind of helped me break it into three sort of thematic uh, areas. There'll be some giant. They've blown these cartoons up, so you're used to holding the book in your hand and right. looking at it small. Now you're actually going to be kind of being like an Alice in Wonderland, walking through the book. They're they're like big, giant storyboards, giant storyboards yeah. of, of the frames, and then some of the original drawings, so you can see a little bit of the process because. You know, it isn't just like you sit there and draw it and put it on a page. And um, they've broken it down to kind of the development of her thought, her thinking, because, she, you know, she was a very, very difficult, pugnacious character. And I don't think if she w- if she wasn't, she wouldn't be interesting, you know, so. She, relatable. I think there's a lot of historical instances in the book that people can relate to. Yeah. She... Um, Always was looking, you know, what do you got? What do you, you know, questioning, you know, she she took the outsider point of view and, you know, prove it. And she, she, the other thing that was fascinating about her, though, I mean, I think, you know, although I don't love this term, uh, she was a bit of a rock star in that she was always at the, at the best table and the best place with the best people hanging out having the best conversations i don't care if it was you know in the 1930s with people like peter Lorre or maybe albert einstein mark chagall a big uh, character sure. here in, in in chicago these were important people and then in the 40s in the late 30s you know with um you know the the impressionist max aronson and the other people trying to flee uh uh, France, and then in New York with all of the very heavy uh, New York thinkers and the Partisan Review and stuff like that, and then Chicago, people like Saul Bellow and all those. She's always at the table, and very often, maybe her and Mary McCarthy and a couple, not many women. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so this, this again, makes it an, her an interesting character for me to try and figure out what's driving her. She died in 1975. What do you think she would say about today about chicago today specifically with regard to we're about to have the first female african-american mayor in the city what do you think she would say about chicago today i I think she would be well i mean there's a lot of issues in chicago i think she would be absolutely thrilled that um uh, an african-american woman since it's such a large part of the population in the city is getting that kind of recognition and that kind of voice because she feels that all voices need to be heard in the public space and listen to each other and you know that's a huge part of the people that make up the city so i think she would be delighted about that i think she would be you know she liked to always have the outsider point of view and because she tried to separate the private from the public and she lived through a very tough time where the walls that separated you from tyranny weren't very very strong and constitutions were like houses of cards Mm -hmm. and um instead of you know she went she ran toward fires she ran into fires and she didn't always solve them but she did a darn good job um she she stared reality in the face and she was an example of what uh somebody a professor at the University of Chicago recently wrote a book called Tough Women. She was a tough, yeah. she was an unsentimental person. and uh, But that's I, okay. I loved it. I that's mean, okay. It, I mean, she she brought so much to the party in terms of her, her strength and her clarity and a freshness of vision. You know, one of the things is I was doing all the research, I, I went through and I looked at a lot of books, I mean, of, you know, you know, I, I look at the most basic things like college textbooks from the 60s and 70s to see how they reported her. Yes. She wasn't in them. Really? A lot of them. 
on purpose or they just didn't know who she was? She just didn't. She just wasn't. They didn't have enough pages, I guess. Right. I don't know. And it, and, it, mm-hmm. and then I started reading into it. And of course, you know, I'm, I'm joking about that. I mean, she belonged there. Yeah. And I think a lot, you know, so she was such a, I called her, um, you know, like a, a virulent truth teller. And that's where this tyranny of truth comes in the subtitle. She, she felt you had to face reality and she felt you had to, to speak it. Each of us to one another in the public arena. She was very taken with uh, kind of, you know, original Greek uh, Athens type democracy mm-hmm. and Jeffersonian mm-hmm. democracy and people just getting around and, and figuring it out. I call it kind of the mess of the ongoing present. I think you've definitely done her justice. Uh, you're a brilliant writer. You're a brilliant cartoonist. Who inspires you? Um, besides my wife? Uh <laughs> Um, she's rolling her eyes. She's 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 sitting next to you, but she's pulled her chair so far from the microphone. There's no way. <laughs> no, um, I'm inspired by. Um, there are so many incredible uh, people doing great work in the comics arena right now. I mean, I started out as I always wanted to get into the New Yorker magazine as a gag cartoonist, as one of those single panel uh, cartoonists, yeah. and it took me. I think I got there really quickly. It took me about twelve years. Oh, yeah, that you was you know fast. that was fast. And but then I always read comic books. I um, when Mouse came out by Art Spiegelman, that made a huge impression on me. Uh, books like Fun Home, uh, Persepolis. Um, so you know, and and then I go back even to this obscure kind of semi you know uh, respectable uh, comic thing that I inherited from my great uncle called Classics Illustrated, which did nonfiction often Mm -hmm. and so i was inspired by them and i i also you know i read widely i love biographies Mm -hmm. i love uh history i'm very curious about people and how their life makes them create what they create you know recently i've been thinking about it and i kind of forgot about this and this is an author that maybe some people in your audience may know about but she's kind of off the radar barbara tuckman okay who wrote who wrote history in such a lively way and i think you know one of the things that's really wonderful about being able to combine words and pictures which is something that i did when i was working in design and advertising and something that i've done when i did the gags is it's an equation i was never very good at math but it's one plus one equals three when you put the words and the picture together it's larger than the sum of the parts right so I've been very interested to sh- to use that picture and word to bring to translate these ideas in a way that are human to people because you know call me crazy but I think philosophy is supposed to be something that we can use you know I in agree. our lives I agree so I'm a translator it's a lot of hard work on my part but I figure if I can teach myself yep. in pictures maybe I can teach not teach, but get her into the conversation. I, and I'm glad you do, and I'm glad we are talking about her. Uh, Tana Arendt, The Three Escapes, have a Hannah Arendt, A Tyranny of, of Truth, Ken Crimstein. It's so nice to meet you, and oh. I can't wait to see you on Thursday. Uh, please get out and see uh, this exhibition, this wonderful exhibition, at the Spurtist Institute for Jewish Learning and Leadership, 610 South Michigan Avenue, on Thursday, March 14th. Thank you so much. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Pleasure. We'll see you on Thursday, 720 WGN.